listening to the Joy, Color, Impact, and Dogs podcast. I'm your host, Jay Nicole Smith. You can call me Nick. Recently, one of my friends from across the ocean texted me and said, out of nowhere, (laughs) I'm going to this retreat in Provence in October. Are you in? And before I'd even clicked the link, my first impulse was, hell yes. (laughs) I had no idea who was hosting it or what it was. And I think this was because A, My love language is enriching experiences. I especially love being hosted and cooked for and having deep, meaningful conversations in beautiful places. So I'm pretty much always up for it. And B, I'm in a little bit of a challenging season at the moment where I have very consciously opted into a lot more work in a short period of time than I would normally take on. So there's a lot of nonstop deadlines because I'm rebuilding not one, but three businesses simultaneously. So there's a lot of team time. There's a lot of behind the scenes work. There's a lot of copywriting and page building and, you know, certainly creating this podcast and keeping up with regular client work. It's a lot more like three times more than I would typically do in a given day or week or month. But it's all for a good cause. (laughs) It's all um, something I'm doing on purpose, but I've found it to be a stretch. And while it's intense, but necessary, it should be wrapping up around the time that I'll be swaying into Provence to go (laughs) dance in the lavender and drink wine. Um, So this feels like the perfect reward at the end of a hard work rainbow. And by the way, I did sign up and I did look at it before I signed up and it looks lovely. So I'm really excited to have another retreat to report back on in my calendar. But actually, Part of the reason I was so quick to say yes to this is because of the experience I've had over the last 12 months attending these mind-blowing and life-changing business retreat experiences with my mastermind group. And since the first one after maternity leave and lockdown in Arizona in, what was it, May of 2022, to the most recent one we just got back from on a Virgin Voyages cruise through the Greek islands in June, and in between when we went to Necker Island in the British Virgin Islands and Australia, I have been totally spoiled and held while I enjoyed these wonderful, expansive times away from the pace and pattern of my daily life. And I love my life. I definitely have a life I do not feel I need escape from, but I'm also a highly sensitive person. And as a mom to two toddlers, I do struggle with the relentlessness of the chaos and what parenting does to my nervous system. It's, I really need to take breaks a lot to reset and recharge so I can really show up for my girls as my best self with all my patience when I'm with them. So today I wanted to share a couple big lessons that I got from these experiences. And I'm focusing on the lessons that were surprising to me. Obviously we know a lot of the benefits of retreats and luxury experiences and going away. Some of those are pretty obvious, but there were a few things that kind of came to the surface that I did find a little bit surprising. And I really do believe that if you are able, investing in these experiences is so deeply rewarding masterminds and retreats. And that's not a sales pitch. There's no link at the bottom of this to join my mastermind or my retreat. I'm not selling this right now. I just really do believe in the benefits that they offer. And for me personally, being in the season of attending 
these retreats instead of hosting them has been such a joy. I am getting the bug again, so maybe in 2024 I might I might add a retreat or even a mastermind because I really do adore creating lush in-person experiences for entrepreneurs, especially in beautiful environments that help us expand past the day-to-day crap in our life and business and psyche. But the reason I'm sharing this episode today is because today is my nine-year wedding anniversary. Nine years of being married and 11 of knowing the literal man of my dreams. I did actually manifest him. I wrote down a list of 200 things I wanted my dream guy and life partner to be, and he ticks pretty much all of the 200 boxes, including that sexy British accent, which I feel like the universe was just showing off a little bit (laughs) with that one. Considering I was living in America, I never expected to meet and fall in love with a British guy, but here we are. And actually, I had been engaged to be married, and I broke it off about nine months before the wedding. Uh, because I realized I was settling and I moved to another state. I got very clear about who I wanted to be and the life I wanted to create. And I wrote down this list to help clarify who I wanted to share it all with. And so I know him when I saw him. And about six months later, there he was playing darts in a pub the night before a wedding in the mountains. I was supposed to be second shooting with my wedding photographer, Bestie. Um. And then when we ran into each other at the airport two days later, when uh, we were both headed home, he was flying back to London. I was flying back to California. It felt like a sign that was a little too blatant to ignore. So we stayed in touch. And two weeks later, he flew from London to L.A. to spend the weekend with me and the dogs, which, by the way, he hadn't told me he was afraid of dogs. So that first few days, watching him interact with my great Dane Olivia was more than a little hilarious. <laughs> um, he loves dogs now. He We have converted him, but he was the one. I was the one for him. We both felt it straight away. And that was that. Like six months later, I picked up and moved the dogs and I to England. And even with everything that life has thrown at us in the last decade, we feel more than ever like we've like hit the life partner lottery. (laughs) This is something I'm genuinely and actively grateful for every single day. So the most important thing that I want to say about these great exotic trips that I've been able to take is that it's only possible for me to have it all, this luxe jet set lifestyle and the two beautiful children, dog, garden, white picket fence, blah, blah, blah at home is because I have a solid supportive partner who not only takes on all the childcare when I go, and to be fair, most of it when I'm home, <laughs> but he also really encourages me to travel and to maintain a life and identity and freedom outside of our relationship and our family, because that's healthy. <laughs> and for me personally, this is the greatest gift that any partner of mine could give me, because feeling free to be spontaneous and to travel and experience beautiful places and be with work besties, as well as have time alone, is so, so, so important for my joy and my sanity and my well-being. 
And like I said, enriching experiences is my love language. So he is speaking my language. <laughs> so happy anniversary, babe. I know you'll be secretly listening to this podcast because you're always such a wonderful cheerleader. And I really just want you to know how much I love and appreciate you and the life that we've built. Now, let's dive into these delicious trips and lessons that my wonderful husband has made possible <laughs> by staying home with the kids. Okay, so there's some obvious stuff about luxury mastermind retreats, right? Mentorship, networking, really, you know, luxurious experiences, adventure. You know, there's a lot of things that are pretty obvious when you're going on nice trips with cool people. You know, the self-care aspect and the joyfulness in play aspect, being inspired by the people around you, being in the room with people who challenge you, like all of these things are great. You know, masterminds and certainly in-person experiences are great for growth and expansion of yourself and your business and your relationships and your self-belief and helping you see where you're still playing small and in scarcity, blah, blah, et cetera. Like those are things I think most of us who have been in business or been on a retreat before know and understand. So those are kind of the things you know when you sign up. And those were things I was hoping for, expected, and got out of my mastermind experience over the last couple of years. And a lot of those are the reasons that I have continued to stay in the collective mastermind and will continue to stay for a long time, I think, because I feel like I've found my people and I really enjoy the focus of this group. But there's five other lessons that were a little bit surprising to me that I didn't quite expect, that I didn't know were coming and that have been beautiful each in their own way. So the first lesson I have to say was the most surprising and the most immediate was this indoctrination into sisterhood, which it turns out was the medicine I didn't know I needed. Like I never, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, like, do you feel like you need sisterhood in your life? And do you want to be a part of a collective of powerful women? I would have been like, uh. <laughs> I'm not sure because women have not always felt safe to me. I've always been a hanging out with the guys kind of gal. <laughs> um, in my experience, you know, in high school and my formative years, girls were like too much drama and I just have never felt super girly. So I often feel a little intimidated and it's hard for me to find women that I really click with and fit in with. So I was really surprised. And, and this happened from my very first weekend in my mastermind. We did a a trip to LA right before COVID hit. So it was like January of 2020. And I walked into this room and a bunch of people seemed to already know each other. And I think there was probably 20 or 25 of us there. And I had literally just joined the mastermind like weeks prior and booked a ticket to LA. It was like super spontaneous. And I was so intimidated. And I had promised myself like, I'm going to be super cool. I'm going to play it cool. Like, everyone will like think that I'm cool. <laughs> and when it came to my hot seat, the first thing I did was like ball my head off. Like I didn't realize how emotional I was and how much I'd been holding. I had a six month old baby and had just had a business partner leave abruptly and held this conference, which was really stressful, um, but beautiful, but intense. And like, it was a lot. 
I was holding a lot. I didn't know how much I needed that connection and that room at that time. And I was really held by women I had just met. By the way, several women who I knew of from like the online space who I was a little intimidated by because I was like, holy crap, I've been following you for years or I know you're like hot shit and have these huge audiences and these huge businesses and this big empire and whoa, that was really intimidating for me at that moment. And I was not cool. I did not play cool. I was very vulnerable. And I'm so glad that I was because it was the start of some really powerful relationships, some of my very best friends. And this sort of sisterhood was really really hit home for me when this spring I I ended up in the hospital. I was on a trip for a conference I was supposed to be speaking at and I ended up in the emergency room with acute appendicitis and had emergency surgery like straight away. It was a shock. <laughs> I was really stressed out, a little freaked out, and I was away from home. There was nobody really that I knew there and felt really guilty about the fact that I was supposed to be speaking and instead I'm in the hospital. And, you know, I, the first person I called was my husband and we had a chat about it. But the very next impulse that I had was to text the group. We have, you know, group WhatsApp. And for some reason, I was like, I know these women will know exactly what to say to help me not feel so scared and alone in this cold hospital bed all by myself. And I was right. They did. So many of them reached out straight away and gave me really useful tips and, you know, some music I could listen to and some affirmations I could say. And they put perspective in place for me. And it was so beautiful. And I immediately felt better. And that was a moment that really hit it home. And then like less than 24 hours later, one of my good friends, Dr. Romy, flew out from California to come help me check out of the hospital because she is a triple board certified physician and she wanted to look after me and she was going to head home to Florida anyway. So it worked out in her itinerary and it was so powerfully beautiful and made me feel so loved that these friendships that I'd built in this group were strong enough that people would stop their whole life and get on a plane to be there when I really needed someone and to offer their expertise and their support. I just didn't, I guess I didn't think that was possible. So that is the number one most powerful and surprising piece of all of this is being part of a collective of women who I trust and adore and respect and admire and feel held by and that I can feel like I can be totally myself, vulnerable, all the ugly stuff, um, not just the shiny stuff. And they're there for me. And certainly I am there for them as well. And that's beautiful. So can't recommend it enough. <laughs> and I think that does take the right group. I don't think that would be the case in every group, but this just happened to be the right one for me. The second one that was really surprising for me is this, what I'm going to call like an abundance reset. And if you've done any work on your money mindset or, you know, dealing with scarcity, with money, with time, you know, there's all kinds of things that we feel we don't have enough of, um, our own worthiness and self-worth. You know, as entrepreneurs, we have to do a lot of that work. And I have been doing a lot of that work for a very long time. I recently shared an episode with Denise Duffield-Thomas, who is a money mindset mentor who 
whose book sort of introduced me to a lot of these ideas back in like 2014. And I've been doing the work since I discovered her. And I've made huge strides. I've I've grown a lot in myself. I've grown multiple businesses and made loads of money. And, and all of that has been beautiful and wonderful. So you go through levels of like, I'm definitely not operating from a place of scarcity anymore. And I've moved past a lot of the obstacles that I felt in my connection with abundance. And I love my life. I could not want for anything. Like it's, I feel really lucky. But every time you kind of step into something, you, you know, there are, there are levels, right? You unlock new levels. And one of the things that really surprised me that I wasn't expecting is when we went to Necker Island, which is the private island of Richard Branson, I had some mixed feelings about it when we went because I'd been doing this work with Dr. Lynn and Justin and... I was, you know, immersed in conversations about privilege and racism, and it felt really weird that a group of predominantly white women was going to this billionaire's island to play, basically. And the queen died, like, the first night we were there, which was an extra sort of layer of, like, oh, crap, are we allowed to be having fun right now? Because this, like, feels really weird. So I was mulling a lot of that over as we went, but it it was also a trip that was really symbolic for me for a lot of reasons, including the fact that when I was in a really dark period in my life, I um, read all of Richard Branson's books and really looked to him as a model of someone who has failed and failed and risen again. And I found that really inspiring. And so it was kind of a full circle moment for me to meet him, to be there on that island. And I got to photograph his dog, which was like a real career highlight since I started out as a pet photographer. That was kind of a big deal. And, you know, it was beautiful. It's, you know, a private island in the British Virgin Islands. It's stunningly beautiful. Turquoise waters and palm trees and flamingos and lemurs. And it's incredible. Infinity pools and whatnot. And it is all inclusive. So while you're there, you don't pay for anything. I think they charge for spa appointments and everything else is just included. So all the alcohol, all the food, anything you could possibly want on demand at any time, even like they have this whole, you know, water sports thing down on the beach where you can go on boats and jet skiing and like all the things, play tennis, whatever. And I had known that this was kind of the deal when we go there. In fact, we'd been asked, like, is there any special request that you have while you're there? Because you can ask for anything when you're on Necker and they will provide it. And you know, that felt like kind of a novelty. I think the thing that I asked for was really good macaroni and cheese. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know, mac uh, fish tacos. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I was I was intellectually aware that this was like an all inclusive, but obviously unlike any all inclusive hotel I'd ever been to. And there were two pieces of it that were really powerful for me. One I've mentioned in a previous episode where the type of luxury that Necker is was a very comfortable, intimate, you feel like you're in someone's home kind of luxury, which is so my version of feeling pampered. I don't need like shiny and fancy and blingy and glittery and I'm a fireside, so those are not my jam. If I were a starshine, I'd be really into it. But like, I like to just feel comfortable and I like to just feel at home. And that's what this felt like. You feel like you're in Richard Branson's private house and there's his guitar and there's letters from presidents and there's books that all these authors have left there and signed. And 
it, it's a very different kind of of luxury. But even more than that, being in that state of all-inclusiveness, which was like, again, very different than any sort of big inclusive hotel I've ever been to, it really changed something in me because it felt like this sort of pinnacle moment of being at this place where anything was possible. And and literally anything I could ever want was possible for me there. And there was no conversation around what it would cost. And what I realized is that I didn't want loads of alcohol and I didn't want fancy food. I didn't need anything. Like I had a spa appointment. We played around on the boat. And we met and had deep conversations with each other. We got to spend time, you know, having conversations with Richard. I got to hold a lemur and a baby turtle and swim in the sea and gaze out, you know, at rainbows and tropical paradise. And it was a really transformative moment for me of realizing what luxury and abundance means to me. And it definitely kind of reset something in me of not having to chase it or, or or realizing what what I actually do want and realizing what actually does feel abundant to me. And it's pretty simple. The stuff that makes me feel good, the stuff I want is very, very simple. And I definitely don't need to be at Necker Island to enjoy it or appreciate it. And the interesting thing that happened is when we were set to go home, my immediate instinct was like, oh, I don't want to go. But that was immediately followed up by yes, I do. I want to go home. I want to see my kids. And I love where we live. And it's a totally different kind of paradise. I hadn't worn shoes for like five days and we were wandering around in this sort of deserty, tropical island. But I don't really like being hot and I don't really like humidity. So I'm like happy to go back to the sheep and the mud (laughs) and the fruit trees and the roses in my garden and Um, That was a pivotal moment as well, because you kind of don't know these things sometimes until you just really have these experiences of realizing them. So that was powerful, this sort of abundance reset. The third thing I'll just mention quickly, it probably shouldn't be that surprising, but I just hadn't considered it. And that is this sharing of resources. And this really feeds into you know, this idea of that it takes a community, it takes a village. And when you pool your resources, it's so much easier for everybody to get ahead. And this is, of course, how white supremacy has worked from the beginning. But also, you know, tribes all over the world and, you know, families with multiple generations in the same house and communities of like-minded people. And it's been really powerful inside this group to know that there's always someone to ask and someone to reach out to for anything that I could ever need. Everyone's tried it, done it, probably has a great idea about it. You know, we've benefited from, you know, my mentor, Natalie McNeil, and my client and friend, Catherine Morgan, who've shared their investment and financial advice, knowledge, my friend Paige chiming in with her killer YouTube tips, or Dr. Romy supporting us in being keynote speakers, like there's just such an incredible wealth of knowledge. And whether I'm, you know, reaching out to Jade about sales strategy or Rose about, you know, evergreen model, there there's always someone who is happy to just answer a little WhatsApp or send you a voice note. And that's so powerful because the the experience and the success in this room 
is <laughs> unparalleled. And to have that at my fingertips is such a gift. And, you know, Natalie has been connected to a lot of what's going on with you know, how our world is transforming through AI and we're receiving the benefit of that early, which means we're able to also pass that down to our own communities. So it feels really generous and really a connected way uh, to succeed. And I really appreciate that. And I that was something I hadn't really counted on. Like, I, you know, you, when you're in a group like that, you don't necessarily just want to ask people questions for free, right? Nobody likes to have their quote unquote brain picked <laughs> for free when they charge for it as a consultant. But it, it's been uh, that sort of has organically happened in a way that has been really sustainable and really lovely. Number four is kind of an awkward one. There have been some uncomfortable lessons along the way. It is inevitable when you travel with other people, especially, you know, badass, powerful women who are used to being in control, that things come up, right? You have interpersonal things, you see differences in, in culture and in social norms. And that's been really interesting. So there have been, you know, a few little, you know, social conflicts that have popped up along the way. And we've had to figure it out, you know, and we're grownups and we did. And what's lovely is that being in this space where I'm with a lot of other women who are who are doing a lot of personal growth work and who are coaches and who have tools means that that conflict is resolved really quickly and in a way that is not very disruptive. But when you have a lot of wealthy women as well, like you can get confronted with a little bit of entitlement, a little bit of people not used to doing things for themselves, <laughs> which is interesting. People who are happy to rough it and people who are not. And, you know, when you're all traveling together, that that can be interesting. And then, of course, there's always in groups bumping up against people's different political and social views. Um, it was really interesting to see how the group split during COVID and the, the vaccination and who was pro and who was against and what that meant about us all going to Necker and things like that where you're having to navigate difference just across the board. And, you know, if you're here, you know, I glorify difference. So I love it and I welcome it. But it is a fascinating sort of social experience. And personally, there was one little incident for me personally that was really embarrassing that I still think about that was like a real lesson for me. And I'm going to tell you about it because I think it's really fascinating. And when we were in Australia, we did a little gift exchange, right, where you, you everyone brings a present and you wrap it up and then everybody passes it around and you can steal the present from the person before you or whatever. And the very last person gets the last pick. So I was like third person from the end or something. And the present I opened up, I like immediately just adored. Like it was um, a set of um, rose uh, oracle cards and some crystals and it was like oh my gosh this present was meant for me I love it I love it so much and I got really attached to it and so the person next to me wanted to steal it from me and I got like really childish about it I was like no I want to keep it <laughs> and they stole it from me and then someone stole it from her and I got a beautiful gift that um a beautiful notebook and pen which I still use um like there was no losers in this game but I was like really sad about it, like unusually weirdly like emotional about it, which I kind of 
floated above my body and watched happen. Like, what is going on here? Like, why am I being so weird? But you know, when you're having that feeling and you just can't stop yourself, even though you want to, because it's embarrassing. (laughs) And, you know, it was what it was. It let it go. I felt like a little bit of a child and I was a little embarrassed. And then the game was over and we all went home and it was fine. Um, But the next day, the person who had actually stolen the gift from me ended up with the gift had bought me these Rose um, Oracle cards, which was this was the biggest part of the lesson, because at first I was humiliated. I was like, oh, my gosh, I was such a baby that this person has felt the need to buy this present for me so that I go home with the thing. We're both going home with the thing. And. I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe I acted like that. I can't believe she noticed it so much that she did this for me. And I shared that with her because I was like, thank you, but I'm so embarrassed that I acted like that and I'm really sorry. And she was like, this is a gift. Receive the gift. (laughs) And like, I get a little teary thinking about it because the lesson was was about that right and there was a lot in there about deserving and about being perfect and like just being embarrassed in front of these women who I respect and admire who are all (laughs) grown-ups and it was really interesting because at first with these cards I didn't want to look at them because it it brought up this embarrassment for me but I like had to write a new story about it and make it about receiving and receiving even when you feel unworthy of receiving. And now they're my favorite Oracle deck because I remember this love from Lynn and um, from the whole trip itself. And of course, because we were on a rose farm, the rose Oracle cards are really meaningful. And when I recently got um, my latest tattoo, I'm doing a full sleeve on my left arm. My latest tattoo has a big rose on it and a bee, which are connected to several things, including this trip and this lesson, because I think it's so, it's such an important one, even though it was so uncomfortable and it's even uncomfortable telling you about it. But I think that it's important to share these things and not just the rosy fancy stuff. And we all have moments like this all the time. Um, But I think it's a beautiful example of the type of women and personality that are in this group. And, you know, the ways that we can turn things that maybe don't feel great into appreciating what they actually are and getting value from them anyway. So that was number four, uncomfortable lessons. And number five is simply focus. I don't know about you. Most entrepreneurs I meet are easily distracted. In the pet space, we call this squirrel syndrome because you know how like dogs see a squirrel and they want to chase it. And certainly there's a lot of um, neurodiversity and some of us are ADD and OCD and, you know, some other things that make it hard for us to focus. And what I love about this container is it gives me a chance to focus on a couple of long term goals. In particular, with this group, there's an emphasis on wealth creation and an emphasis on positive impact. And both of those things are really important to me right now in this stage of life. And this gives me a container to keep revisiting those long-term goals, to keep revisiting my daily actions and behaviors, and to give me resources to support them. So we are an official partner with Virgin Unite, which is the charity arm of Richard Branson's Virgin Group. 
And we do some amazing impact projects inside this group. And we contribute money towards amazing causes ranging from the you know planet to social justice. And it's really exciting to be a part of those projects. It's really important to me, um, obviously, as someone who talks about finding your purpose and your personal mission and giving back and being able to serve I am really honored to do that through Virgin Unite and this group. And this gives me a way to do that in a in a really practical, containable way. So I don't have to go out and volunteer at 16 different organizations and find a whole bunch of different places to donate money, etc. Although we do have the Wildflower Fund inside my business where we contribute to causes. And some of that contribution is through this partnership with Virgin Unite. So the focus is really nice, having this focus container on things that are important, but maybe not, you know, as everyday noticeable as the stuff going on in my individual business. And, you know, it's such just such a good anchor to be in the room with people who are also interested and working towards these things. So I appreciate that. So there you have it. The five lessons, sisterhood, abundance reset, shared resources, uncomfortable lessons and focus, my five surprising lessons from a year of epic business retreats. And like I said, I really do encourage you, if this is not something you have in your life, a group like a mastermind or um, an in-person sort of expansive retreat experience, have a look at if maybe this is something you might be able to do in the next six to 12 months. I think you'll really, really be glad you did. I think you'll appreciate, you know, certainly some of the lessons that I've had and certainly plenty of your own in those spaces. I think they're really worth investing in. And, uh, you know, feel free to reach out if you want a recommendation or, you know, you're looking for a group or a place that might be a good fit for you. We can certainly tap into the resources that we have to see, you know, who we know and what we know that might be a good fit for you, depending on the industry and the season that you're in right now. Thank you so much for being here. As always, if you got any value out of this episode, I'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, hit that subscribe button if you want to make sure you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for more joy, color, impact, and dog stuff. Bye-bye.